We here at the Nexus Podcast Factory are working away furiously, producing new pods for your listening enjoyment and edification, and we hope to have new ones for you very soon. In the meantime, please check out this episode. It's one of our favorites from 2020. Long before any of us had ever heard of COVID-19, we were facing a simple fact. If you were working, if you had a job, then that job was likely to change significantly in the next five to ten years, whether it was the way you did it or even if it continued to exist. Big things like automation were coming, and while five to ten years sounded fast, it didn't sound so fast that big companies couldn't change in time. Well, that was before the pandemic. Today, we face a much different story. The big shifts are still there, but they've changed in scale and speed. That comfortable, almost lazy five to ten years we talked about earlier, that's gone. This stuff is now at the doorstep. Stephen Harrington is Director of Workplace Transformation for Deloitte. He's been tracking these transformational shifts for years now and advising companies on how to navigate and survive them. He joins us at the Nexus. The Nexus, a place where people converge and connect. On this podcast, we look at the things that are changing the way all of us do our jobs. And we're going to take a quick peek into the minds of those people who are helping us change with them. Scientists, HR leaders, and experts in human performance. I'm Chris Nelson. Perhaps if you do me a kindness and introduce yourself, please. So I'm a director in our human capital consulting group at Deloitte Canada. And in that role, I'm part of a global network of practitioners who've been speaking, writing, and, and helping clients get ahead of the future of work for the last decade. You're the closest thing that some of your clients have to a prognosticator, their own personal workplace Nostradamus, as it were. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a part of it which is about trying to predict the future, but there are ways to be very pragmatic about that. I think everyone could probably see what the big key drivers that were transforming the workplace and the way that we work. But why don't we have you enumerate them now? One of them is, and we've known this for a long time, is technology is everywhere. And that sounds like a really obvious statement. But what we mean by that is it's getting really cheap. There are still types of technology which are expensive. We think of these, especially in larger organizations, big enterprise technologies. But the cheap and the cheerful digital tech is being underutilized. This is the tech that can help automate our work, the tech that can connect us to collaborations more easily. And we, especially you know, the large organizations, need to start to figure out how to more quickly integrate and turn over that kind of technology. That's sort of trend number one. And it leads directly to trend number two, which is there's an opportunity to completely reimagine work. The tasks that we do every day, many of them make sense in a 21st century context, but for almost every worker, some of them don't, <laughs> right? Right. At the simplest level, we just need to start getting at the reimagination, the reconfiguration of the, of the job, this 20th century leftover we're left with into something new. How were we responding to these drivers? Slowly, but everybody thought we had more time. Everybody was talking about future skills before COVID, and that was great. But what's happened is we've now thrown millions and millions and millions of people 
into a new way of working overnight. We're trying to layer in digital technologies as fast as we can so they can keep up with it and they can stay connected. And now what many of our clients are realizing is 30, 40% of their workforce probably needs some fundamentally new skills, not in a few years, but in the very short term. Right. And the problem is, I was just talking to a client that has almost a quarter million employees and and 40% of a 250,000 person workforce. You can't afford this. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So essentially, we're talking about a transformation cycle that up until the pandemic, everyone assumed would take years to implement, and all of their projections and all of their budgets to support it were sort of planned on that basis. But now what's happened is because of the pandemic, everyone's pants are down on the subject. Is that fair to, is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say, um, but I will add a complication. Right now, and all of us are doing it, and for good reason, are getting our heads wrapped around remote work. Many of us are trying to figure out supply and demand mismatches in our businesses as they're changing. But that doesn't mean we're getting to the everything else of the future of work. But we won't fundamentally rethink the jobs that they're doing. So they'll end up with this sort of square peg job fitting in the round hole of remote work. I'll give you a practical example. If you were somebody who used to spend half of your day in meetings, and the other half of your day in spreadsheets. There's a scenario where as an employer, what you do is you go, wait a minute, we could make a whole job for people who do almost exclusively spreadsheet type work. And that could be a fully remote job that some people would find highly attractive. And then you have someone else who's much more about meetings and collaboration, and they'll be coming in and out of the office in the future. That's a very simple example of, but there are legions of other examples of ways that we have the opportunity to recompose the work to suit this sort of new distributed workforce. So rebuilding the job from the ground up is not just discreetly contained for one worker, but perhaps across an entire team. Right. And this is, by the way, tied to a trend. We've got some great economic data which shows that globally, productivity has been at almost a standstill or a decline in most major economies. This is despite the fact that we're spending trillions of dollars on fourth industrial revolution type technology. And the reason is we are not recomposing the work. Wow. So this is this is the next stage to get to. And the exciting thing is it can help us get to productivity but it can also help us get to better jobs. Jobs that are, you know, have less transactional dull activities in them. Jobs that for many workers will be able to be a lot more flexible in terms of the where and when of work. This is an exciting frontier we're heading into. What do employers need to do to get ready? Almost everybody's thinking about what the new normal could be. Really, the simple step is just to then say, that's great, now that we've thought about that, how can we also think about what we want it to look like, how we want to be more efficient and productive, how we want to take advantage of some of the, the trends in the market that could reshape the way we get work done and add, add value for our customers and our citizens. Take a close look at your operating model, your business model, your strategy, and ask yourself, okay, that's going to be true in five years. What skills do I need to make those strategies true? Exactly who needs to learn them? so that I'm not trying to peanut butter skills across the whole organization. And then how could I use build by borrow thinking to potentially disrupt my plan for building that workforce? So it's not as if I have to suddenly turn myself into a training organization, but in some cases I might hire people. In other cases, I might borrow people who have the skills that I need in, in order to build up my business into the future.
Does that change now that employment is going to be higher and probably for the indefinite near term? I think we're going to find that we're still going to have people without jobs and jobs without people because what's been driving that trend isn't just low unemployment, it's hard to find skills. So for an example, people are not going to suddenly find there's a surfeit of data scientists just waiting for an employment opportunity. I think it still will serve us very well to think about what organizational capabilities are truly core to our strategy and value those as much as we possibly can. We've entered this really interesting strategic phase, right, where I think most industry leaders will tell you that the moves that they make related to organizational structure and technology can be really easily followed by their competitors. The last strategic frontier are the people that might make the difference, that might come up with the next idea or the innovation that your competitor can't. It's a, it's right. a bit of an irony, right? <laughs> In this time of technology, <laughs> technology is not the differentiator. It's people. One of my favorite thinkers on this subject is a man by the name of John Hagel, who's what we call our center for the edge of the US. And he's written about this concept of a learning organization that's sort of centered on teams. And his observation is, if you can, within your, your organization, build a cross-functional team, truly cross-functional, different skill sets, different ways of thinking, make them an intact team and give them missions. And then critically, make sure that that whole team is lifted as much as possible out of the transactional and day-to-day -day work. And so that their whole day, every day, is either finding opportunities and leveraging them or solving problems. His point is that structure is a learning structure. They will learn from each other and they will learn from the problems they solve. He's saying it to be sort of counter market, but he's saying, let's not put too many of our eggs in the basket of reskilling and retraining and classroom learning or online learning. Let's actually just make learning part of the way we operate structurally. You talked about the pandemic as a, as a uh, one-way door to the future. Would you say this was the crisis that employers needed to start making these changes? There are silver linings to these crises. I mean, there's that old adage, don't let a good crisis go to waste. But as I said earlier, I, I am concerned that we can't just think that that's about people working from home. That is far too narrow a window to the possibilities that are in front of us. Mm -hmm. We need to be broad in our thinking. Stephen, this has been a highly illuminating conversation. I'm certainly hoping we can repeat the experience sometime soon and see if anything you've predicted comes true. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Thank okay. you for the opportunity. Thank you, Stephen. Now, if you distill what Stevens talked about into a single word, it's adaptation. Companies need to adapt to survive, and it starts with their people, how they find them, how they hire them, how they train them, how they develop them over time and keep them excited about what they do. Nexus Communications has been helping companies solve these challenges for more than 20 years with industry-leading strategies, programs, and products. If you work at or lead a company that needs to adapt, and I suspect that these days there's a lot of you, then let us help. You can find us at nexuscommunications.com. That's N-E-X-U-S communications.com. And if you dug what you heard today and feel like others could benefit from hearing it, then please like us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you happen to find us. I'm Chris Nelson. Thanks for listening.